Well, toss that rusty old grill into the lake and set the bark lounge on fire. You have now tuned into the Dadward Spiral. My name is Aaron Pruner, and I almost lost it. I almost lost the, the, my train of thought just then. It's been a while since <laughs> I've said that sentence. Sure. Uh, and uh, Eddie's back. Hi, Eddie. Uh, hello, I'm back. Um, before I get into whatever the hell we're going to be talking about, you can find me at Aaron Flux on Twitter, Aaron W. Pruner on Instagram, Aaron W. Pruner on Facebook. We're Dadward Spiral on Twitter, and I have not done anything with it. Uh, and on Facebook, it's been pretty dormant. We've been a little distracted over the past uh, few months. Um, but here we are with the new episode. So uh, thanks for tuning in. And Eddie's Kirby.Matrix. Yes, Kirby.Matrix at Twitter.com. That's pretty much it. I'm, my, my my Instagram is non-existent, really not worth your time. I can't recommend it. It's not. My Instagram, my only, the only, <laughs> the only service my Instagram has been uh, providing over the past week is Bernie Sanders memes. I've just been <laughs> collecting been the ones that uh, are the best. It's and been pretty good. Yeah. It's uh, my wife has asked me to stop. She's like, you've got to slow down. It's just, you know what it is, is that his posture, uh, the way his legs are, you can definitely do the chair, right? Like you can yeah. have him in a chair, but like you can Photoshop out the chair and have him be in whatever. I right. The best one I saw was a UFC fight where someone's yeah. doing an arm bar. And what's great about that is that the way Bernie has his hands kind of folded over each other, that's actually the proper posture for holding an arm in an arm bar. So it's, it was, uh, it was, it was funny to see that one. I made a joke recently saying someone should put Bernie in the WAP video. And <laughs> sure enough, I got tagged like three or four times with people who had, um, that it didn't really work. It was a bit of a style clash. The, yeah. the neutral earth tone jacket and the sort of the vibrant blues and yellows of the WAP video, it didn't really blend too well, but, uh, no, but yeah. the, I think yeah. the last one I shared was, uh, Danny riding his tricycle through the shining, uh, overlook hotel and coming around the corner to Bernie sitting there in a chair instead of the shining twins. Um, uh, I'm getting off track here before we even continue. You could find our show pretty much everywhere. Podcasts are available. Uh, I would suggest going to dragon wagon radio's website and checking out our merch mm-hmm. at dragonwagonradio.com. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, all the business. I don't know. It, whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm so into this. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. We're back. That's We're why, look, this is why I said Eddie and I need to do an episode just us because yeah. I'm out of practice. Well, and a lot of, has happened. That's what I was going to say. So much has happened. Uh, I know we've done an episode. You did an, a, a fantastic interview in the previous episode. So you've kind of kicked off the new year. But... Um, yeah, since you and I talked last, the world has literally changed. Uh, we had an election. We had a attempted coup. Uh, we had um, a, yeah, and a new president, and you know, some hopefully some 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 green shoots of of hope for for a lot of different folk. Um, that's you know, that's that's certainly things that have happened. And, and just you know, uh, I I was out of town for a little bit. We did a very safe travel uh, out of town, and we're back now. And kind of prioritizing for the new year and it's the holidays as we talked about in our previous episode together happened. And um, yeah, it just feel, it feels like things are just fundamentally different. Um, my son turned 10. That was the other big thing. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. My oldest son turned 10. That was a, that was a trip. That was a, 
every birthday, you know, you're like, wow, you're older. You notice, especially at that age, you know, you notice how much they grow in the span of one year, but seeing it all in the totality of like, you know, thinking back on 10 years and um, how much he's grown and matured. It was, it was a, it was a lot. It was a lot. And we had a great, and it was also like a, a COVID birthday, you know? So it was like yeah. a, it was like, um, what could we do to make that experience where he was not going to see any friends, where he was not going to have a party, where he was not really like if we, we did go somewhere, but we had to be extraordinarily careful about going where we went. Um, yeah, that was a, that was, that was a challenge. Um, but yeah, but we made the most of it. And he said it was one of his favorite birthdays ever. So hopefully we did some stuff right. And hopefully it's not, he's not going to remember it for the insanity of this time. Yeah. I'm really hoping that we get to a point where we don't have to wear masks anymore. And in a few years, Lily won't remember this. Like, I don't want this to be a defining uh, part of her childhood. Although, you know, I, I feel, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the mask and quarantining thing just fits her personality. The other day in the car, <laughs> sure. I'm raising a goth kid. The other day in the car, every time we're in the car, she requests immediately sunglasses because, and I quote, I hate the sun. It, it just every time <laughs> I hate the sun. I hate the sun. The other day in the car, it was like, I heard it low key. Like she was very quiet. I turned the music down and she was like, I hate the sun. I hate the sun. I hate the sun. I hate the sun. <laughs> and I'm like, you're too. And uh, that we're heading to the park. And she demanded that no kids be there because she <laughs> also hates other kids. She is so like, your daughter. She is so she your hates daughter. kids. No and DNA she hates needed. the sun. And I was like, <laughs> Lily, uh, you know, the other kids are going to have to be at the park. It's a public place. And it's like, I go there with her and she is so standoffish. And I hear her making these like, frustrated grunt noises every time a kid gets near oh, her. <laughs> Riker does the same shit. Riker and Lily would be buddies because Riker is like an extraordinarily sweet kid, just like Lily is and has a lot of sweetness and kindness within him, but he can get like fussy and like, and like absolutely own his boundary and own his space. Um, and just sort of like, and, and just own who he is. So it's, that's, yeah, I see a lot of parallels there. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just funny to me because yeah, that's how I was growing up. And I'm wondering if it would be different if, if she had a brother or sister, but I don't think it would. I, I don't know. Let me ask um, you something. Let me ask you something really quick. Cause that, that made me think of something. Do you, cause like you, you were describing in sort of a comedic way of like, you know, some, some goth qualities that she has, or like maybe qualities that personality wise remind you of you. Do you think, when I never said she reminded me of me. Okay. You well, said that. You, you said the goth, you said the goth connection, right? Like when you when you see when you see like elements like that. Like I see certain elements of myself come out in my kids that make me chuckle because they remind they remind me of me, but at the same time I'm like, "Oh wait, is this the right approach I want them to take? Like is this like is this the right perspective I want them to have at this age like that's that's yeah. something i struggle with sometimes i do too i don't want to be raising an antisocial kid that hates other people but like you know we're trying to put her in situations where safely where she could be in that type of environment i guess it just we just gotta wait and see i mean she was like this when when everything was open when we were still going to my gym she didn't want to be near any other kids yeah. and this was before she was even a year old so 
Right. I, I, I don't know. I'm raising a, uh, what was the kid's, what was one of the writer's name from Beetlejuice? It was oh, shit. Yeah, something Bedelia? like that. Bedelia. I myself as strange and unusual. No, that's Creepshow. Creepshow is Bedelia. Damien would know. Our friend Damien would know. Um, uh, I'm not, it's not like I have Google in front of me. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying <laughs> right. to look. Uh, yeah, so so we were originally planning on recording an episode mm-hmm. uh, the first week of January. Yes. And I was like, Eddie, there's a thing I want to talk about. There's this thing on Twitter and it's trending and it's this guy who's going by the name of Bean oh, Dad. Oh, Bean Dad. That feels and like 40 years ago. It, it was three weeks. Bean it was- Dad <laughs> was three weeks ago at the time of this recording. That feels like like before I was married. Like Jesus yeah. Christ, that feels like forever ago. Right. Ugh. And so we were going to do that and then um, uh, QAnon and a whole bunch of hate groups stormed the Capitol. Yeah, and potential uh, coup. Yeah, just, you know. Uh, people died Ugh. and just insanity. It was just insane. And I was at the park with Lily when it happened. And, mm. uh, you know, I stayed there to drink some coffee before I went home and my wife took my daughter home for lunch. And I just happened to look at my phone. I was like, oh, what's happening? And it just unfold. It just kept getting worse. And then you were like, dude, I, I need to reschedule. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too far into that, but I'm sure. assuming, you, you know, you have military background and I feel like yeah. a lot of that is in your DNA and that really hit you yeah it's like so yeah it did um and and it's and but not necessarily for like the sort of obvious reasons although although those the more obvious things are there too um i so here's my my general approach to patriotism and reverence and and things like that so like let's just let's just start with the notion of the flag right like the, the so when you're in the military you learn all of these like intricate things around tradition and custom with handling the flag, right? You never let a, a flag touch the ground. If a flag touches the ground, you have to destroy it. And you don't, you can't just destroy it any way you want. You can't like cut it up. You can't eat it. It has to be, cer- <laughs> you, it has to be like ceremonial. people don't want to eat the flag. <laughs> it has to be ceremonially, ceremonially burned. It has yeah. to be, it's, it's called retiring a flag. And you do this when a flag has like weathered, or damaged, you retire a flag. If it touches the ground, you retire a flag. You're not supposed to um, fly it at night unless it has an independent light source on it, like a lamp. Like you'll never see a flag flying at dark unless like its lamp went out. Otherwise, you there's like a whole ceremony with it. So you know I, you could look at that and say, oh, it's because the flag stands for all these great and noble things. My approach to it is the flag stands for these great and noble things and our horrible history as well it, it is our um as baldwin says uh the bloody catalog of all of the truths of america it is as tanahasi code says not just our credits but our debits um it, it is a reminder not only of the things we've done right but of like so many things we have yet to correct so many things we have yet to fix it is a reminder of um everybody who has died in this country um for reasons good and ill and it should be a a sobering reminder of sure yeah how far we've come but how far we have yet to go as a as a country as a society as a as a culture um and i i I truly think of that and to that point i don't just think of the brave 
heroes of World War II who died for the flag. I also think about every single slave who's in the ground. I also think like about everybody who lived in uh, injustice and bondage at, at, at the behest of the system. I look at it as um, a, a, a solemn reminder. And for that reason, it should, that, that sort of uh, not uh, iconography, uh, it, it has meaning and value and a, a certain amount of reverence to it, right? So I feel that way about the Capitol. I feel that way about the Capitol was built by slaves, you know, and like it was, it was, um, and it is that inherent contradiction that is in the embodiment of America and um, seeing people um, and, and for the right, I know we don't want to get terribly political here, but like you don't deface the flag, right? You don't deface Eddie, like, yeah, go ahead. Let's just uh, fuck around and see what happens, man. Yeah. I, that's so, my motto for 2021. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair. So, um, like the, the 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 thin blue line flag that you see a lot, yeah. um, I fucking hate that thing. I not and no, I don't fucking hate cop. Like I, it's not it's not it's because it's not a it's not the flag, right? Like you're like I've I fully support everyone's like right to free speech. You are free to do that. I am free to hate it. You are you have a First Amendment right to fly the traitorous Confederate flag. I have a right to point out to you that that thing is that thing that wasn't even popular again until um gone with the wind came out and american soldiers were reminded of the 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 tennessee battle flag like it's it's like you have a right to do that i have a right to think that's entirely inappropriate um seeing the confederate flag marched inside of the capitol seeing um everything that happened um with just a blatant disregard uh again not just for our credits but our debits um this this just disgusting view of what the idea of citizenship is and the idea that it means something more for some and less for others uh it just it really it hit way harder than i anticipated it to it hit like uh it was extraordinarily difficult to see it was i have not i have not um you know when george floyd happened and a lot of the black lives matter protests happened rachel and i sat the kids down and we had a long talk we were we were um, we were clear and we condensed and, and sort of, you know, made the news of that digestible for a nine and six year old mind. But at this or five, five at that time. But at the same time, we did not necessarily pull any punches about it. I didn't even I was not capable of explaining what was happening to my kids. I still they still don't know what happened. Um, we watched the inauguration. That was a good thing um just you know the the peaceful transfer of power um <laughs> yeah i know uh but like but it was uh i i found myself i would have found myself just overcome with rage and and failing at articulating it really um, helps when there's a kid screaming in the background to really yeah, talk about rage she she's uh she's she's had she's had a real one today she's been in the car a lot today hasn't really gotten a lot of outdoor time it was raining it was hailing earlier which was crazy really? yeah yeah it's raining here um, so all that is to say, Aaron, that like, um, had a very difficult time dealing with that, still had a hard time dealing with that. Uh, we had a death in my family recently as well. So it was like, it was 2021 was not off to the best start. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's weird because I am filled with like a sense of, um, I, I dare, you know, I, I, I dare hope again for 
it's for a lot so of different weird. reasons. It's weird. It's, and again, not to make it political, but it's just like the atmosphere is different. I feel is. like the the I mean the other I mean hell Trump getting banned from social. There's a whole that that okay, conversation so, around that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's I was just talking to my wife about this because we were like there's a new president and it doesn't feel real. It feels like a dream. And I said, maybe that's partly because we didn't have Trump on Twitter ranting about whatever during the inauguration, having mm -hmm. his silence sort of silenced a bunch of Trump bots. And, yes. uh, you know, all the QAnon people have that seems to have fizzled. And there, there's a bunch of people who are feeling betrayed by Trump and lied to. And it's this weird, like, suddenly we have a guy who, whether you agree with his politics or not, he is showing a sense of empathy yeah. and understanding yeah. and transparency. Yes. Yes. I mean, just the just the White House, <laughs> the White House daily schedule announcement alone uh, is, is uh, demonstrative of that, right? So, like, the last month or so, the... Schedule announcement of the previous president was literally the president will wake up early and go to bed late at night. He will take many meetings and take many calls, which is just a joke, right? Like that, like if you were doing a parody of like, if you were doing like a late 80s Andrew McCarthy led like <laughs> comedy called like yeah. Party Prez, like that's, you would look <laughs> at that in the script and be like, no, that's, come on, that's ridiculous. Um, but like Party that Prez. was, that was the reality of it, right? Like he's the yeah. pizza delivery guy and he actually got elected president. Like, like that kind of, you know, that kind of right. like premise. And like, it's, um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's crazy to like, and then to go to the current administration where it's like 10, 15 to 10, 25 travel to this place, 10, 25 to that. I mean, it's to see like an actual itinerary uh, on the one hand, my OCD brain is in love with that. Uh, yeah, same and, here. <laughs> and same then here. to, and then too, just to be like, okay, I have a general idea of what's happening in the world. Like I have a general, right. you know, just like, just, the, you know, yeah. that really kicked in for me when they had that ceremony with the tiny flags mm. that were just remembering the people who died yep. from COVID. Um, there's some, yeah. okay. So I'm going to go on a tangent for a second here. Um, Please. Uh, I'm going to do a lot of these because we don't have an outline for this episode and I got things to say. Uh Recently, I have watched a four-part docuseries called Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer on Netflix. Yep. And I interviewed the director for uh, an article I wrote. And I was nine years old when the Night Stalker hit the city. Yep. And uh, there were a few victims that were about five miles away from where I lived. Mm. And the, the fear was real. You know, that was, a, that was the year 1985 for me. It was a really hot summer. I remember um, I didn't have an air conditioner in my bedroom and I would sleep with the window open and, you know, he would come in through the window. So like shutting the window, sleeping just full on sweaty and in fear that this guy was going to break in and do something was very real. Um, but the reason I brought that up was when I talked to the director, the thing that was really interesting to me about the show was, it didn't do what Ryan Murphy did when trying to bring to life the Night Stalker in American Horror Story, mm. which was celebritizing this motherfucker. Instead, yeah. it reminded us the dude smelled like a goat. He had rotting teeth. Mm -hmm. and he killed a lot of people. What it also told us was he 
abducted and molested children, which was not in the media. They kept that out of the media in the 80s. Um, And the show pays tribute to every victim. And I talked to him about that. And he said, you know, a lot of times numbers, a death count, whatever, that can become dehumanizing and numb us to the fact that this was a life lost, that there was a story there and there were people who loved that person. And just seeing those flags, man, just like recognizing that this isn't just a number. These are people who have died and there were families and loved ones there. That really hit me, you know, and uh, it was it it was good to see, but also kind of a kind of jarring because I just, you know, I, I like to say that the last four years of Trump, we've gotten we got so used to the daily onslaught of whatever the hell he did. It was like we were laying on a bed of nails. You step on one nail, it hurts. But if you're laying on a bed of them, it's like after a while, you're you don't feel it anymore, you know, right. and uh that was my analogy. I want to get to Bean Dad, though. That's what let's I really want. Let's talk. Let's let's bring that old chestnut back. <laughs> that old chestnut. I don't even know the guy's name. I'm not going to name his name because I don't want to give him any more uh, oxygen. Sure, but um, there was. I believe he's a comedian. I believe he's a podcast host. He probably has something to do with barstool sports or something along those lines. An appointed. He um oh shit what he, was that? No that that was that was something like basically I got a I cleared a push notification, and then I it actually brought it actually Jesus Christ it did it again it brought up a video there we go okay I was trying not oh to do oh my that. god okay. yeah so so he went on Twitter to tell a funny story about how his nine year old I think nine year old daughter was hungry and mm-hmm. wanted to open a can of beans and Mm -hmm. he was doing a jigsaw puzzle and couldn't be bothered to get up and fucking show her how to use a can opener. And instead for hours, she was trying to figure it out. And I have two thoughts here. Uh, First off, you are setting your daughter up for a bad relationship with food. And secondly, my daughter is two and knows what a can opener is and how to use it. How the hell are you bragging about being a phenomenal dad that you've gotten this far with your nine-year-old daughter and have never taught her how to open a can or at least brought her those teachable moments in the kitchen with food so that she does not have any sort of negative connotations with it once, you know, she hits her teenage years or even later or even right now uh, really pissed me off. And I'm like, that could be a good thing to talk about. Yeah, it, it is. And, and you know, I saw what was interesting to see a gamut of reactions to it, because I, I don't think it's entirely black and white, like it, because it's like on the one hand, yes, a nine year old should probably know how to use a can opener. But is that really the nine year old's fault? Like, no, oh. it's not in all. It's it's your fault for having never taught it, taught this basic skill to. Now, here's the thing. My kids have used can openers in the past. If I had my six-year-old try to open a can over now, he'd probably struggle with it. And that's yeah. fine. I wouldn't fucking ridicule him to his face about it. I would and here's the part that like doesn't go talked about in this whole situation. He decided to film it and then decided he to make a it? Well, no, I mean he like, well, I thought he, there was like a 
He, didn't he take uh, a photo of it or something like that? He like, I don't know. I saw. But, I, I didn't dive too deep into it because I've been trying to exercise this new rule in my life to not yeah. let social media infuriate me to the point of diving down a rabbit hole and getting too invested in bullshit. Yeah, and like I, I guess that's I guess that's the thing is that like regardless of whether he filmed it, recorded it, whatever he did, he posted about it. Which the the point is the same. He it would be it became this performative. Thing, right his daughter like be- became a punchline in his comedy in routine yeah and now listen you and i both will post about our kids i try to be mindful of being posting about them and, and moments that are flattering to them and indicative of childhood because at the end of the day they don't have a say in what i post or not post in the early days with grayson i posted everything which i would regret now i've actually gone back and scrubbed a few posts from facebook and some other places because he has a right to digital privacy even as a child. And so, so, but like the other day, I, you know, I posted like a a little transcription of an actual conversation that we had about like our D and D game. And it was a cute, fun thing, nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, But, you know, like I'll probably take down most of that stuff a couple of years after I posted anyway, like, like the Twitter two year scrubber, like there's a little, algorithm that'll delete just everything that's over two years old and oh I, wow i didn't know yeah. that that would oh, be helpful yeah. for me yeah it'd be yeah, i don't know if you saw something a few months ago i got attacked by anti-semitic twitter because i, I made a comment about how white people like it when white people have guns yes <laughs> I'm, i think we I'm talked in, about that we did but, they, I, but the reason i mentioned that was that they brought screenshots of old tweets of mine into yeah. the fold yeah, I you know without saying her name or without saying um, the the place that reported on it, uh, 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 she's not. I can't I can't claim her as a friend, but she's someone I know in our space who you know we follow yes. each other on Twitter. Yeah, and so I posted she, about it, and I had to mute that yeah, conversation. Yeah, it's kind of insane how like. And to be fair, the original posters of that situation were known bad actors associated with like bullshit things like comic skate and all this other stuff and so it's like you on the one hand you can't take the source too seriously on the other hand you know abuse is abuse and visibility is visibility and amplification is amplification which is so going back to bean dad like in his best (laughs) such a stupid name like you're gonna you're gonna use that as like like your claim to fame sorry sorry, that's what i'm saying is that like no it's okay it's just like i i i don't know what he thought he was doing I don't know what his objective was when I post conversation bits with my kids. It's usually because I'm proud of something they've done. It's usually because they have a unique view on life. That's funny or maybe sweet, or maybe like I would never post anything where it's not like them, like them in a vulnerable state. Right. Like it's like, I don't like, we don't, you and I have a podcast about dadding. And at the end of the day, we, paint ourselves as you know like as as well-intentioned sometimes bumbling sometimes learning we own our mistakes but overall positive representation of ourselves but we all one thing i think we've done a good job of is not fucking brag about like i'm a good dad and let me tell you why like it's like our perspective is like uh you know we don't know like we're not experts but this is what we've tried and hopefully it works yeah. and we'll then fast forward. We're, we're at least trying to you know. exercise accountability when we fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, and that's the other thing. I think we talk about our fuck ups 
as much, if not more than our successes, or at least like how we've learned. This guy just out the gate was like, let me tell you about what kind of dad I am and thought it was going to like land. He thought it was going to like be this thing that like people go, yeah, fuck those snowflakes or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. These nine-year-old snowflakes. Yeah, that how to use kitchen it, tools. It, it was just so like, it was so tone deaf and it was like, it said more with the things that I didn't even think he realized he was saying. I don't know. That's just my read on it. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it's uh, you know, I, I'm going to change the subject because you're talking about fuck ups and uh, as a parent, we do, we, we fuck up a lot. And, um, recently my wife and I have learned that my daughter has night terrors mm, and oh in no. doing research on night terrors, they, they affect something like 6% of kids. And the way we learned about this was so roughly four to five hours after putting her to bed, she'll start screaming in this like mumbly gibberish and she will look at the monitor and she's not really moving or anything, but she won't stop. And she'll scream off and on for like two hours. And my wife, the first time she was like, should I go in? I'm all, I, I don't know. Doesn't look like she's awake, but it kept happening. We were concerned. Kelly went in and was trying to console Lily and it made it worse. This was New Year's Eve, by the way. Um mm. <laughs> which which was like even more so a problem because people on my block outside my building were setting off fireworks right outside my daughter's window. <laughs> um, but I have never in my life had any experience with night terrors. And right. turns out that a kid can scream, have their eyes open, thrash around, and still won't be awake. Peace and my God. daughter was like Linda Blair in The Exorcist. She was making these ungodly noises for about an hour. Kelly was holding her and she was flailing around trying to throw her body out of out of her arms, um, crying hysterically. And we didn't know what the problem was. And it ended up being a thing where the fireworks were going off. And Kelly and Lily ended up sleeping on the floor in her room. Uh, which was a great way to end New Year's. But the reason I'm sharing this is I did some research on this. And apparently you don't wake a kid who has night terrors. Right. You don't touch a kid that has night terrors uh, because they will view you as a threat. Yeah. They won't see you. They'll see you as like a shadow person or like some sort of monster enemy. And I was watching videos online of this and it's, I saw other kids doing exactly what Lily was doing. And it was this huge wake up call as to, you know, that gut instinct of your kid is screaming, go and help her and comfort her isn't always the, the nope. solution. Not at all. Yeah, that's great. I mean, oh, man, that's tough. How did you like, did you, didn't Lily remember it the next day? Like, what, no. did you talk about it? No. Oh, man. The All she remembered was finally being awake and hearing the, the fireworks and sleeping on the floor with mommy. But but since then, she has started having nightmares. And recently, she's been having this recurring nightmare. Kelly took her to the beach the other day when it was 90 degrees and not 45 degrees outside. Right. And um, they brought a tent, a little tent that uh, Lily got to sit in. But apparently, it was really windy. And the wind blew the tent away that Kelly went running for the tent. Mm. And Lily got scared that mommy was running away and wouldn't come back. And that has been an ongoing 
nightmare. And that's, that's mm. something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around how you, how you comfort a kid and explain to them that, that we're not going anywhere. And it was just a dream, especially when they're like two years and four months, you know, that's been something that has been happening every night this past week. Uh, so if I look tired, that's why. Um, yeah, listen, I mean, that's one of those things where when you're confronted with a new situation that you you have no, not because like you, you read the books and you talk to other parents, you learn as much as you can. You create a podcast, apparently like you do all the things, <laughs> you do all the things that you, you have power to. Hey, Brandon at Whole Foods, our only listener. Hey, Brandon, all right. I actually shout out to uh, my buddy Jackson Lansing, who's been, who listened, who caught up with it over break. He's not a parent. He, uh, him and his wife, I, you know, they they know they eventually want to be parents. or not in any hurry. Um, welcome to the experts. Yeah, welcome. We're here yeah, to guide you. <laughs> gigantic fucking clown air quotes. I would like experts. to say right now before we continue, Eddie is reclining on the floor in his daughter's room wearing a shirt that looks like it has like a bloody shark on it no it's it's a sh- it's a it's a comic con shirt it's a gorilla and, and i'm shark. in bed with a crypt keeper shirt on yeah. so we're totally the guys you want to listen to uh yeah i mean uh aaron's face is flat like a a victorian painting because he's so mm-hmm. like pressed up against his headboard i'm leaning to one side <laughs> because my neck is just destroyed and for some reason this like this position i'm in is like the only thing bringing me an ounce of comfort uh, I had to like do adult stuff today, and I was just like, doing it with, like a completely locked up neck to where like it's like, hey, look over there, and I'd have to like rotate my entire torso. Oh yeah, to you you you, the view. you, uh, you got a pinched nerve. I got a pinched nerve. I I have some upper back stuff from my 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 fighting days uh, that I'm that I still deal with, and they fly. I have some now. lower back stuff from my Jewish. Yes. For your Jewish day. I thought you were about to say your Jewish days. I'm like, what's no. shit? I must, uh, recently I've been, uh, I have arthritis in my hips. Yeah. And because, you know, I'm a 44 year old man. And apparently the yeah. doctor was like, well, that's normal for your age. And I don't believe him. Uh, it's raining. And it's really uh, reminding me that I may look young, but I yeah. am a young looking 44 year old in an 88 year old's body. Um, but yeah, the, the nightmare stuff, it's, I was a guest on a uh, just randomly. I was a guest on a podcast called Alter Weekly. Yeah, and they cover horror stuff. And they found my Washington Post article about how parenting ruined horror films for me. Mm-hmm. And we talked a bit about nightmares and how I can't really watch horror movies after a certain time of day because I'm already going to sleep with a lot of anxiety and a lot of worries on my mind about. Everything from if there's an earthquake, how am I going to get my wife and my child to safety Right to, uh, you know, a bunch of just just in general, she's having nightmares and screaming in the middle of the night and the pandemic and, you know, all this, my mother and all this stuff. I don't <laughs> I don't need to add on whatever horror movie bullshit's going to happen on screen to add to that, which which. You know, I just just watched a docuseries about the Night Stalker, which right. added some color to my dreams. But um, it was a really interesting talk, and I represented the show. But I wanted to just ask you, yeah. have you had to deal with uh, kids having nightmares? And, mm. and how do you deal with that? What a loaded question. Um, no, but my mother uh, and I both 
suffer from different forms of dissociative sleep disorder, which is... Oh, wow. Kelly was telling me that she had sleep paralysis growing up, and I saw a documentary about that. That shit's scary. It's scary. I I don't have paralysis. My mother was uh, a notorious sleepwalker. My mom would... Mm. My mom would... I mean, she'd go through the house, make meals. Um, she once stood at the archway of my of the doorway of my of my bedroom when I was about 13, 14, and she was pressing buttons like it was an elevator, and she rehearsed, she basically went through an entire presentation she was giving to Northrop Grumman uh like the following week. And she and it was, she was she killed it. Um <laughs> like she she did great. Um, I too found out in my early adulthood that I have also some dissociative sleep stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm less comfortable going into the details of that, but like, it's something I've, it's something I have dealt with myself. I also have, uh, wow. Okay. Just, yeah. You, the, the, the little thread you pulled on, man, you're going to pull the whole sweater undone. Um, I'm not pressing you at all. No, I know, but it's, it's. All this stuff is like super intertwined. Look, I, before you continue, the reason I'm asking is because yeah. what I've learned about uh, night terrors is that there's a genetic component there. That's why I'm bringing and this stuff up. Yeah. My so. wife, uh, my her, my brother-in-law, I guess, slept sleepwalked when he was a kid. Yeah. My wife talks in her sleep. Yep. Um, I have insomnia <laughs> yep. and uh, certain issues where I can't stay asleep because of my chemical imbalance uh, with, with my own issues and yeah. like well shit i'm fucking up my daughter just by existing <laughs> but, but oh, you know totally it's that. yeah you know yeah. i didn't mean to pull a thread but it's like how do you i'm just curious how you communicate with your kid hey that's a dream there's nothing to be afraid of you know and i guess my daughter isn't even of the age to know the difference between dreams and reality right please continue no, it's okay. I'll, 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 circle, I'll circle back a little bit. Like I, my, my son had a bad dream last night. He had a dream that like he was hanging out with like a YouTuber, like a, a fictitious YouTuber, one that does not exist. Um, but like they were doing like uh, an exploration and they found some zombies and like, he's like, it was a little scary. And so like, he's now at an age where he can tell when he's had a dream and it's bad and it's over or when he's had a funny dream, he had a really bad one about three or four weeks ago. And it kind of like, it ruined his whole day. Um, and so we had to like have a talk about it. It brought on some larger conversations, which were good. Um, Riker doesn't really, if he has had bad dreams, he's never talked about them. Um, I think he had a bad dream once, but like much, much less frequent. I also, as a kid, well, even now, uh, I suffer from something called sensory processing disorder, um, which is, uh, it is what it is. It, it is what it sounds like. You, I have a hard time processing certain stimuli um and i'm pretty sure my you know without saying who pretty sure one of my sons has it um there's definitely noise sensitivity with it but for me it was also um when i was young during sleep or is that just well it's all the time well no it's not all the time it's randomly and it's for me it would happen as i was I would have these episodes when I was younger where it would happen right before I would get ready for bed. And the sensation for me was my depth perception would go fucking batshit. I would like, all of a sudden I'd be laying in bed and then it would feel like the back of the room suddenly stretched out like 50 yards or at the same, or sometimes even at the same time, it felt like all depth had been lost 
and everything was just a flat painting, but like 20 feet away. Sounds would become like the faintest sounds would become incredibly loud. Uh, textures would be really wonky. Like how I would did not you get, how, how did you get diagnosed in figuring out what the issue was? Uh, I aged 35 years and took myself to a doctor. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> because when I was five, when this stuff was really happening a lot, I, I did not have the capability to explain it to my parents. And this is where I think it's relevant to our conversation. I could not explain to people what was happening. It happened one time at my grandma's house, my, my poor grandma, she like, uh, she would like, she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, and I would just try to like describe and she was not getting what I was describing. And then I could get out like phrases, like everything's loud or um, everything's far away. I would say, I would break it down in things like that, but she had fucking no clue what to do for me. She had and like, and, and no, that's not on her. Like I, you know, I was just hysterically upset and just not able to calm down. And like, say it happened in front of my dad and my mom several on several instances. And they were just like, maybe he has a headache, like give him some, give him some Tylenol, give him some whatever, like just, you know, we had just, they, the limited arsenal they had. So yeah. for me, and, and this is where it gets interesting because, you know, I have ADHD. I, there, there's, there's some other neurodivergence stuff happening there. And um, my son, you know, what, at least one of my sons, uh, grapples with that too. And sometimes it's like, so, so what that taught for me was what I needed at that age with reflection, looking back what I needed, and this is not laying blame on anybody, but what I needed was someone in the moment to just assure me that it's going to be okay. It's, it's not going to be forever. Just take a breath, catch your breathing. You know, the, the mind, the mental and the physical health stuff is linked. So it's like, let's get our body to do a thing. And then at that point, your mind will maybe be in a better position to listen or talk or communicate, but don't like, let's just, let's take it down now. If you need to be hugged or held, or if you need to not be that, that's completely fine. Whatever you need. If you want to take a bath, like don't bombard them with options, but just like give them time to breathe, give them time to catch themselves. And then let's figure out what you need. And when you're ready, we can talk about this stuff. Um, Sleep terrors and any kind of sleep disorder is so interesting because it's two separate experiences. There's the thing that's happening and then there's the aftermath. Right. And then it's like, you know, how do you, especially if they can't remember it. Like, what can you do? Like, what can you do if they don't remember it? Like, what can you do if they don't, you know, if it's just like a thing that's going on, I, I don't even pretend to have all the answers. I would definitely, there's a lot of like great online resources for that stuff. But for me, um, you know, you can't solve the bigger stuff, but what you can do is in the moment, make them know that they're going to be okay. And that yeah. they're, you know, that whatever they're feeling and experiencing does not make them weird. Does not right. make them, there's nothing wrong with them. And I've had conversations with my, with one of my sons about the ADHD. I take medication. He takes medication. You know, I, I, I put his medication in his and, and I'm open about it. I'm like, this is what this is for. And, you know, like, this is why we're doing this. And, and it's not every day that we do this, but it's, you know, there's reasons for this stuff and I have to do it too, but like, it's not, don't beat yourself up. The, the ADHD thing, like people don't realize there's an, an immense amount of self-loathing 
and guilt and shame that comes with being that way. And for me, it definitely was. The the two worst things that happened in my childhood were A, not getting diagnosed with ADHD and B, getting an IQ test when I was six. Because then it was like, yeah, then it was like, you're smarter than all of us. You should be breezing through this stuff. It's clearly because you're not like trying hard enough. You're not applying yourself, which is, that's not demonizing my parents. That was a very early 80s thing. That was a very like, specific type of mindset around the bullshit IQ tests that like were given at the time. So, you know, like that's that, you know, cause you get labeled as like gifted and I was putting gifted programs and I'd always do well in my gifted programs, but I'd always like do C's in like my regular classwork because yeah, it was just, I was, yeah. I was the same. Yeah. But I've never been, I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but like I was great in school, but I tested horribly. Like I was, valedictorian and i had the highest grade in my class and i got i i remember the exact score i got an 832 on my sats opposite with me i was a 1240 on my sats and a 2.7 gpa yeah i had a 4.5 gpa i had the well, highest grade well, in my school like, fucking like, you mentioned youtube and i want to talk about something yeah uh, a youtube personality that my daughter is obsessed with currently, uh, who has a troublesome past. Mm. And I like to refer to him as a low rent peewee hermit. I am referring to a guy who goes by the name of Blippi. Blippi! P-P-I. Lily came across his videos at, we were at Whole Foods or something. She was holding daddy's phone. And the next thing I know, I hear this annoying voice and she's watching this guy with a high voice wearing glasses and a colorful hat talking about fish. And I'm like, well, at least she's learning about nature. Um, she is obsessed. And I'm like, why do I know about this guy? He looks familiar. I, I, there's something off about him. And then I remembered uh, two years ago, a news story came out about his past. The, the, the man, his name is Stephen John. Yep. And yep. He before he was Blippy, he was a, a gross out comedian on yep. YouTube who went by the name of Steezy Grossman. And he did videos with names like Turd Boy and Underwear Man. And I guess there's a video of him doing the Harlem Shake and pooping on a friend of his. Yep. And I was like, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy. And now he's like a multimillionaire from this blippy persona. <laughs> and my daughter is obsessed. And my wife and I want to punch this dude in the face. So we were having this conversation today because, you know, on one side of things, it's it's watching these. The production quality is so bad. And yeah. the character development, it looks like he has no soul behind his eyes. And it almost feels like it's just a poor man's Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. But th- then there's his past. But then flip side is my daughter learned about carrots today. <laughs> like she learned that carrots grow in the ground and has been asking me about carrots all day because of an episode of Blippi's show that we watched. Yeah. And now she wants to meet Blippi at the playground. It's like. Right. Um. It, I'm yeah. trying so hard to reconcile the fact that this guy seems like an idiot, but also my daughter 
loves him. Yeah. Like I, it's, I, man, it's so tough. There is no, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say what we do. I don't claim that it's the right approach. It may be bad. It may be, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, um, all I know is that it's, it's no one has an answer for this because we are unfortunately the beta testing group for things like YouTube and media. Yeah. Like we talked about this with drew, right? Like we talked with with Drew McQueen a few weeks back. Like it's, um, so, okay. Um, there's a couple concepts kind of orbiting at once. One is parasocial contact theory, which is this notion of people creating a one-sided bond or friendship with somebody else, usually in media. So traditionally that meant wish, you know, um, what's a good example? Um, you know, thinking, watching a movie and going, wow, I think I'd really enjoy hanging out with Arnold Schwarzenegger in real life. I think we'd be friends or like, wow, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies mean so much to me. And like, it's, he means so much to me, but I have never met him. It's one-sided. That's what we call parasocial. It's that, it's that growing pains episode where, uh, Ben Seaver was really into a musician who was played by Brad Pitt. And then he got to meet him in person and realized Brad Pitt is a fucking dick and had had a conversation with Alan Thicke about, you know, you could still be a fan of his music and, you know, separating the art from the artist. Well, and that, and that leads into the second concept, which is death of the author, right? Like it's like death of authorial intent, death of the author as a person's presence, uh, a lot of people are having the same thing with JK Rowling right now um, yeah. of like, how do you reconcile that for me? Um, we already own the Harry Potter books. We already own. My or wife at least is have a super fan. To it. Trust me. Yeah, you get it. No, I'm uh, Terry Metalis. So he and I had, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to like, it was a private conversation, but like he and I chatted about this very notion about like, you know, Hey, these books mean a lot to, we need to get him on the show by the yeah, way. Yeah, we do. I know. But like, but like, and so we had that conversation of like, well, what does it mean now? Like, what is it, what does that believe? And, you know, I, I would recommend when it comes to things like that, Lindsay Ellis has a great video that she did specifically about rolling, but that could be applied to so many that could absolutely be applied to Blippi. On the other hand, you also have this whole thing about YouTube, you know, the algorithm. Um, my son's both have iPod touches, you know, the, the, the iPhones without the phone because they're cheap, but also I can look at their history and see what they've been watching. And I do. Um, and my son, Grayson really likes crafting YouTubes. Uh, he really likes a lot of like, um, Dr. Or Mr. Gear, which is like a, a, a you know, or like life hacks. He likes a lot of that stuff. He's building a, uh, he is, as we speak, no bullshit, building a crossbow out of paper. That's like got some basic mechanics. It shoots like a little rolled up piece of paper. It's not damaging. It's fine. Like he's currently doing that. He also watches a lot of like uh, Preston, who's like a, 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 a grown man, but like targets that Disney Junior demographic with like Minecraft videos. He's really into that. Dude perfect, big into dude perfect and pranks and stunts. And what I'm finding to be interesting is that sense of humor is informing their creativity. I just started playing D&D with them. I ran them through a dungeon where their characters had to go um, 
fight uh, Furbolg and some goblins and whatnot. And instead of killing them, they played pranks on them. They basically set up Home Alone inside the Lost Mines of Phandalur. Uh, they like put soap in their food and like they like did this extensive like skill check to like make them trick each other into thinking that they're beating each other up. Like it was this whole, and so like that informs their sense of humor and their sense of creativity. And it's like, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. I don't know where the line is. I don't know. Like my big thing is I can't stop them. I mean, I can, I don't know if I should stop them from consuming that stuff. I guess my counterweight to it is make sure they consume other stuff too. Make sure they have other media influences, I guess. Um, Blippy in particular, my daughter fucking loves Blippy. Okay, uh, good. Okay, so yeah. it's not just. Oh, God, what no. Is it, no. What is it about him that appeals? Is it the simplistic, uh, <clears throat> the dumbing down of just this is a man boy and now we're dancing like a monkey? And ooh, now we're gonna do now we're gonna go on a slide. Like, does it do you think it's they feel like they're living vicariously through him? And I think so it's then just, in that way they're learning about the world. Uh you know, analyzing it and like this is this is the type of stuff I do in my day job. It's like trying to reverse engineer why things work. And what I would say to this is bright, chunky primary colors. Like, look at his outfit: blue, yeah. yellow, red. Big chunky primary colors. Um, each little segment is super short. Like in one show, he'll do a bunch of different things. Um, big, exaggerated physical movements. Um, big facial expressions. Kids especially are into very large facial expressions. Like that, that's how they register and perceive emotion, especially at like our kids' age. Because like Millie and Lily are, are relatively close in age. Um, and a fun little music bit and toys, the Ryan thing, especially like the, like my son Riker was big into Ryan. Ryan's mystery. Oh, give it time. Ryan is a, I think he's eight now, but he started his, his dad started his YouTube channel when he was like six Ryan's toy review. And it was basically unboxing where this little sweet four-year-old kid, Ryan, um, would open up a new toy and he'd have a big reaction to it. And it is, I mean, he, there's like PewDiePie and then there's Ryan. Like it's like, there's, he is the most popular kids YouTube streamer. He has Nickelodeon shows. Now his own toy wow. line at target. If you go to target and you look in the toy line, you'll see Ryan's face. Um, there's like, I mean, it's, it's this tens of million dollar industry right now. Uh, each video gets like 20 million views. It's ridiculous. And like, it's, and like at my kid's school, Riker had like a little Ryan, like stuffy, uh, stuffy like creature, like on his backpack. And like immediately the kids and him just started talking about Ryan. Like, so it's not just our kids, man. It's, it's, this is childhood now. Saturday morning cartoons. It's this instead. This is the media that they're confronted yeah. with. Well, we're only really letting Lily have like, two hours, one or two yeah. hours of TV a week. Yeah, we limit mind it to. You, mind you, uh, I, sometimes we slip a bit, but she no longer wants Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, and I feel a little bit feel a little bit sad about that. And she went from that to Blippi, and I'm like, okay, come on, there's got to be other 
uh, other options, better options. But again, if she's learning stuff, if there's an educational component, I can't be super mad. You know, I guess this could lead us to a bigger conversation about the art versus the artist, kind of like the Cosby show and its merit as a TV show versus the guy who created it, you know, or Michael yeah. Jackson's music versus the guy who created it and that legacy. Uh, that, uh, that's, that's a hard one. My wife is a dancer. She got into dancing because of Michael. She's done numerous. I was in the Michael you know, Jackson fan club. Yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. Like I had the glove. I had the socks and the outfit and the hat. And I, I watched that behind the scenes thriller music video hundreds of times to try to get all the dance moved down. So I get it. I, I get it. Um, I'm out of things to talk about. Same man. <laughs> it's Although, like, I, I, I will say this during the pandemic, I read a book and I don't read much. Um, <laughs> I say that as I'm looking at the stack of books here that I still <laughs> need to finish reading. I got Barack Obama's book. I have Jesus yeah. and Miro and the Bruce Lee book. I still haven't finished, but Matthew McConaughey, I don't know if you read much. I, I know that you don't have like a schedule that permits much free time. I'm reading, like, I'm reading two books right now. Like uh, when I can, and not very much progression at a time. I'm currently reading the water dancer by Tana Hasse Coates. And I'm yeah. also reading uh samurai assassins by Rhombus Hillsboro. It's a, uh, it's a uh, basically about uh samurais. It's nonfiction. It's a samurais in the major restoration period. Uh, it's a particular piece of history I'm really into. So uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I just finished the uh, Matthew McConaughey's um, memoir, Green Lights. And How was it? It was a super easy read and really fascinating to hear about his life and how he became an actor by accident mm -hmm. and how his relationship with his father impacted the way he interacted with the world and how he ended up being a father himself. And uh, yeah, if you, if you get a moment, like I, I highly recommend you and all five of our listeners read it. It was a great book. It was a fun mm. book and an insightful one. And it made me feel a sense of like, I don't know, clarity, a little bit of hope. Yeah. And then, you know, and then the past month has like, my mom just got the vaccine. It's like, that's awesome, man. It's, it's weird. I mean, the first dose, it's weird how, a month ago where we were at and then where we are now today as we're yeah. talking. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I got my uh, <laughs> stimulus and a debit card sent to me yesterday, which was sure. weird. I almost threw the debit card away because I thought it was junk mail. Um, <laughs> that would have been bad. But been yeah, bad. you know, still still plugging along, trying to do our thing. And yeah, um, we are going to shoot for having more guests, but I wanted to check in with you and yeah, sort, of, sort of recalibrate you know square away for a new year right like like figure out like i think it's important to reset like this because we had a, a decent break off and and you know you had you had the uh the one episode before and it's i don't to our earlier point 2021 feels different and i think like i you know i've i spent a lot of time over the holiday thinking about how i how i dad and the things that I like about how I dad and the things that I don't like about how I dad and, you know, things that I have goals. Like I want to, I'm, I'm trying to do 
more like practical play with my kids. The D&D thing is a part of it, right? Because it's like, I want to teach them to use their imaginations more. I want them to see me in a way that shows me at play, you know? Like I want to show them, you know, that like shows me, they deserve to see me in situations that are more than just like, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Like, they need to have a relationship with me that is more than that, or at least like better proportioned. Um, so I, I was pretty critical of myself this last year. I think this podcast was part of that. I think like, you know, like talking about this stuff, we're kind of forced to reflect and own, you know, our, our victories and our, our shortcomings. And for me, at least it's, it's given me a lot to think about for this year. So we'll see. I mean, you know, fast forward to our December, 2021 issue and provided everything's not on fire. Like, I think it'll be a nice opportunity to, to see how we've, uh, how, how, uh, how we did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if the you know. show is even still around. That, who who the hell knows? Like it's, who it's knows? Uh, who knows? Yeah. Or but, maybe it becomes um, this big thing. And this is like our salad days. Who knows? Look, like I yeah. said, man, I'm writing a thing. Who knows what happens? Yeah. But um, hopefully one day we'll get Dax Shepard on the guy that inspired the whole thing. Who knows? Uh, Matter time. Matter time. Uh, Eddie. <laughs> Sir, I want to thank you for taking the time in your daughter's bedroom to speak with me <laughs> to check in on episode number nine. Jeez. This is episode number nine of the Dadward Spiral. Um, once again, you could find us at Dadward Spiral on Twitter. Uh, I got a new phone. I got an iPhone. I'm, I don't know how to use this fucking thing. I haven't had an iPhone in 12 years. And so, like, I don't. I just realized I don't have the Deadwood Spiral account on my Twitter app on on mm-hmm. the iPhone, which I probably should fix. But y- you know, if you want to follow me there, I don't do much with it. I'm trying. Um, I do engage more on the Facebook page at Deadwood Spiral as well, and uh, DadwoodSpiral.com. I created a Substack and haven't done shit with it since Thanksgiving because it just felt like there was more important things going on in the world. And I needed to have less screen time, but um, I feel like soon there's going to be more stuff posted there. Uh, I'm Aaron W. Pruner on Facebook and Instagram, Aaron Flux on Twitter, and Dragon Wagon Radio is the ones who give us a home. So please follow them on Twitter. And like I said earlier, we're available pretty much everywhere podcasts are, but go to the Dragon Wagon Radio's website got some cool merchandise and there's other great shows on their platform including the koi cast with my friend koi jandro Jandro, my boy koi um and uh yeah this has been episode number eight eddie do you have any final words of wisdom to share with me just me just you no no one's listening uh go easy on yourself you got another day tomorrow just try better you know if, if you ever feel like you're if you ever feel like today went bad, I had a I had a day the other day that was like, well, that was a bad parent day, and I just had to remind myself like I get to try and make it better tomorrow. That's all you can do. I feel like you're my surrogate dad spirit. Now I'm not gonna say spirit animal because that's racist, but <laughs> sure, you're yeah. like you're like my you're like my mascot. You're like my Tyler Durden, but you're real. I'm I yeah, but I'm like every time you say that, I I just feel like I kind of throw up my shoulders and go. Okay, like if that's yep. you know, just sure. Yeah, okay. Just take it. All right, Eddie. All right, buddy. Uh, until next time, be excellent to each other. 
Hey everyone, Jake Lloyd here, along with Paul Bianchi and Alexandra Hoy. Hey, we all host different shows on Dragon Wagon Radio. That's true, but we're not here to talk about any of those. Not at all. We are here to talk about Dungeons and Dragon Wagon. In which us podcasters from Dragon Wagon Radio venture into a mythical land for a D&D inspired role-playing game. Alexandra and I are joined by Matt Hinksman and a very special guest of Quest for each chapter of an epic saga in which we must take on the roles of half-orcs, dark elves, and more as we fight our way through a fantastical land of peril, drama, and often hilarity. All of which is controlled by me, the Dungeon Master, and the player's chance rolls of the die. And our show is for everyone. Even if you don't play role-playing games, you'll love D&DW. That's right. Our game sessions are highly edited, easy to follow, sound designed from top to bottom, and completely immersive. Yeah, our episodes sound more like a well-produced radio drama than an RPG show. So what are you waiting for? Join the adventure on Dungeons & Dragon Wagon at dndwpod.com or wherever you find great podcasts. It's Dragon Wagon.